Welcome to episode 23 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your host, Monty, and joining me today for a double review is my good friend and honestly the closest thing to a car bro I could find, Johnny Kemp's. Hello. <laughs> Probably don't sound like a car bro because it's been a few years. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Um, how are you doing today? I'm so good. Yeah. Just energized. The sun was out today, so. Yeah, even though it's like, you know, it was out for like three hours and then it got dark at five. But whatever. This is this is Ooh, what we signed up Boston. for. Um, this week we'll be running, or should I say racing, through the film Ford vs. Ferrari. We'll warm up, aka rev our engines, with spoiler-free thoughts on the film, and then we'll put the pedal to the metal. I, I, can't, I can't do this seriously. I wrote this all out. This is ridiculous. Um... We'll go into spoiler territory for a deep dive into the film. Uh, and then in lieu of our normal point two section, we will be discussing a small little documentary that we had the chance to check out called Maserati, A Hundred Years Against All Odds. So it's going to be a very car-heavy podcast. And I think the last of my little car puns will be buckle up. <laughs> Those are good. I hate you. <laughs> First, let's read a synopsis of Ford versus Ferrari. American car designer Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford and challenge Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1966. Ford vs. Ferrari stars Matt Damon and Christian Bale. It's written by Jez and John Henry Butterworth and Jason Keller, and it's directed by James Mangold. the 24 hours of Le Mans for the fifth consecutive year. Mr. Ford, Ferrari has a message for you, sir. What did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars in ugly factories. And, uh, he called you fat, sir. We're gonna bury Ferrari at Le Mans. So the great Carol Shelby is gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them you needed? Two or three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> All right, Johnny, so I asked you onto the pod because you are a bit of a car enthusiast. Yeah, I appreciate nice cars. I used to be very well versed on this and actually like make it my hobby to just research cars. Um, my dad and I used to go to dealerships, just check out, ask questions. Um, it's been a few years since that. Got a little busier in other areas of my life, but I still, especially, and we'll talk about after this movie, have really kind of seen that uh, the spark, the <laughs> the spark in my engine really <laughs> light up. Um, after seeing this movie, I really have kind of slowly found my passion again a little bit. So. So does this film do a good job of hyping you up as a, a car enthusiast? <laughs> uh, it really did. Um, for somebody who's pretty out of touch with that realm as of late, it really got me right back into it. Um, it the big thing for me, like from overarching theme, this takes place in the 60s. So it really has that classic Americana feel to it. Um, this is you know before the 69 Camaro, 69 Mustang, those legendary muscle cars from America. But it was really cool in that way. It had this these very homey, simplistic vibes, but it also um, was just all about raw power seeing it and you know, IMAX with the sound racing around your ear. Like it that that could hype anyone up. So I mean, I have very little experience with cars. Like my mom and my dad both had Volvos, so that was kinda like <laughs> the car that I knew about. Cars were a way to get from point A to point B for me, and I didn't really care about brands or specs or anything like that. I'm sure you know that based on 
watching the documentary together and me just asking questions the whole time. <laughs> I think the closest thing I came to being a car fan was in third grade. I got peer pressured into buying a Lamborghini poster at the Scholastics Book Fair. Oh my gosh. There's a green Lambo. I had that on my wall probably, you know, until freshman year of college. But um, that was the extent of my car knowledge. And so uh, did you know the story beforehand? Of this of like, movie? Yeah. Actually, no. So when I was into cars, I was really interested in what the latest car brands were coming out with, okay. technology around it, um, horsepower. I was a spec junkie, really. Okay. Um, I also appreciated the luxury car at the same time. Um, but I I wasn't really super um, well-versed on the history of it, on um, these, what I now know as very influential figures in American automobile industry, so... Yeah. Okay. So not knowing anything about the story, did you like this movie? I think I'm, I'm sure you did based on the quick thing you said, but do you want to get a little bit more into it? What did you like about this film? Yes, I really liked this movie. It flew by, number one. It Normally, even in movies I love, I'll still like keep track of time some respect. But when this movie ended, I was like, oh my gosh, it ended. Yeah, I think it's two hours and 20 minutes, and That's I like didn't feel it at all. Pretty long. That's a long yeah. movie for my standard. Like, I yeah. agree. I love when movies are like a nice hour 50. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it was really awesome. It was a great, it was a very well-told story. It involved racing, so it's high-energy, high-octane racing. I think the thing that stood out to most to me and the thing I'm taking with me after watching this movie is the characters. The depth of these characters is something I really, I found myself leaving the theater thinking about, okay, the decision they made in this, you know, how does that define them? It really, the character of these characters is what I can't stop thinking about. Um, And that is the mark of an amazing movie that leaves an impact on me. I think I completely agree with you, which is kind of rare for us. I know we don't always have the same movie taste. I, I think we're like, the more we see, the more we're starting to agree Maybe because you are just, you have a more rational opinion where I walk out of something and it's completely based on biases I had before. Yeah, but I think like the first couple movies we saw, we just like were not on the same page. And then as we're seeing more movies, we're like, oh, those were kind of like anomalies. Like we both didn't like it. Chapter two, we both liked uh, like Britney runs a marathon and whatever. But um, yeah, I love this movie. I absolutely love it. Probably the best one we've seen together. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is just so damn good. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's like an uncommon opinion. It it got an A plus in cinema score. Do you know what cinema score is? No, but that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can't be bad. So basically cinema score asks um, like on opening weekend, like people coming out of the theaters, they ask, what were your, ex- like compared to your expectations, what would you rate this? And so it they, a lot of movies, it's really easy to get like an A or a B plus or an A minus or whatever, but very few movies get A plus. Um, so this movie clearly is a, a crowd pleaser. I think anybody going to see this movie, whether you're like Johnny who knows a bit about cars or like me who knows nothing about cars, you'll love this film. I think the the way you, you said um, that Americana feel, I, I wasn't thinking about that, but when you said it, that makes a lot of sense. I agree. It's, it's got this very like, um, for lack of a better word, American feel to it. Um, that's just like kind of just pristine. Yeah, it's the sixties. It's yeah. I don't know, the Ford Motor Company. I mean, it just it's all this stuff you read about in history textbooks. I mean, the Coca Cola Coca Cola product placement was so real too. Just like a classic American drink. Yeah, it just it just oozes classic fun. Like it it just some the atmosphere of this film is just so overwhelmingly enjoyable um i don't think it does anything like particularly profound with any of the pieces that it has going for it but all the pieces individually and then put together are just so slick and well made and the the whole film is just really really enjoyable and it goes by so so quickly two things that i've like really stood out to me was the cinematography I really liked the filming during the races where it kind of bounces between these external car uh, car shots and then these close inner shots of Christian Bale kind of reacting to the race. I thought that was really well done, the editing between the two perspectives. And you, the th- a thing that I notice a lot with racing movies and like movies where there's a lot of high action is that it's very hard to frame the action in a stable 
shot. And I was blown away by how stable the camera was during those fast like shots of cars just flying down the road. Um, so I really loved that action and it really gets you invested into the race in a way that I don't think I would normally feel like I don't watch sports re- or I mean, I don't, I do watch sports. I don't watch car racing. And then the other thing is the score of this movie is amazing. I was listening to it like right up until we started podcasting. That score is so awesome and it just like gets me tapping my my feet and like I remember like fist bumping um in the movie theater there is just so much energy in this film. Yeah, I if I see like a sports movie or even a thriller movie, some action movie, I'm rarely I'm like, "Oh, this is kind of a suspenseful moment." Mm-hmm. But this one, I my heart was beating so fast. Like they did a great job of making you feel like you were in it. Yeah, and they did a really good job of making you feel like what was happening on the screen was urgent. Especially in the races, I think that's kind of weird because it's a 24-hour race. You know, you mm-hmm. can't always be on in a 24-hour race. There's got to be some downtime. But in this, it feels like every second counts. And to an extent it does, but I thought they did a fantastic job of like kind of breaking it into little bits and making it seem like it's much more... um urgent and pressing than it is in real life. Would you you agree with that? I don't know a lot about what goes through a driver's mind in Le Mans, but my guess is that for them, there is this urgency the whole time. It is a nail-biting 24 hours. That's why it's such a prestigious race. That sounds so exhausting. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I cannot even imagine. It was blowing my mind. And you just think like people do this every year. It's been going for Mm -hmm. many decades. So this was just one of those races. (laughs) Not to mention you start off the race by running to the cars. Yeah, that was really badass. I kind of want to talk about that in spoilers um, because I don't want to get into like too many specifics about the race because I think the less you you Google that. (laughs) Well, no, I know. I know. But I I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah, okay. We'll talk later. (laughs) The the less you know about this film, the better. I thought, did you know what this film was going to be about when we went to see it? Had you seen trailers or anything? Because I managed to stay in the dark. I was very in the dark about this. I didn't even know it was a movie until you texted me about like, hey, let's go okay. see this movie. And I was like, oh, a car movie? Sounds sick. Honestly, I liked it because it had Ferrari in the name. Fuck Ferrari. <laughs> no, I'm I just kidding. <laughs> hear from you though that it actually has a different it has a different name in Europe. Yeah. And if I had heard that name, I was already all over the movie, I would have I would have jumped on it. And that was 66 Le Mans, correct? It was I, the title in the UK and like other places is Le Mans. 66. Le Mans 66. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a great... Yeah, do you like that better than Ford vs. Ferrari? I do. Why? Maybe this is just, like, my strong opinion, but the whole, like, America versus the world, like, yeah, it's great for patriotism, but there was so... I think this movie had so much... So many other things going on. Yeah, I agree. And it was kind of... It came down to this culmination and, like, how the characters reacted to the pressure and how different aspects, which we'll talk about later how it affected these characters the moments throughout. Maybe I would have given it an even different name um, because my favorite part, like Le Mans, the race is great, but there are so many different races that make up this movie, so many different moments that are outside the race too that you're just, you're so emotionally in these characters independent of the fact that they're, it's built around cars. Yeah, I, I, I think that this title is, it's kind of a misnomer and I think it's mainly a marketing scheme. I think it (laughs) first does kind of appeal to that American nationalism. And when you have an Americana film that's in the 60s, I think there's a certain group of the or portion of the audience that that'll really resonate for. Uh, I agree with you. I don't really care about America versus the world, but pitting like America, Ford, hoorah versus international Ferrari um, creates like an interesting dichotomy there. But that's, again, like you said, that's not really what the film is about. There's very little um, antagonization of Ferrari. And the Ferrari, for all intents and purposes, isn't the quote-unquote villain of this film. There are villainous characters, but they are not from Ferrari, at least in my perspective. Yeah, the movie really showed respect for Ferrari. Right. It showed that they were in opposition to Ford and some, a lot of the main characters, but it did not show them being yeah a bad guy at all i i think this film it's a lot more about internal competition both the internal competition within ford but then the internal competition within yourself you know that grit and finding yourself by becoming part of something greater and part of a team absolutely 
So yeah, I think Le Mans 66 would have been a much better title, though I can understand why they they tweaked it for marketing purposes. Yeah, I do. The other thing is that when I first heard this, I heard Ford versus Ferrari, and I saw Matt Damon and Christian Bale on the poster. I was like, oh, it's Matt Damon versus Christian Bale. That's what I thought it was going to be like. And I wonder if that is intentional, you know, putting that verse, Batman versus Superman, uh, Civil War, like Tony versus Captain America. Uh, Batman, Christian Bale. Yeah. Uh, 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 Connections. That's good. (laughs) But speaking of Damon and Bale, what did you think about their performances here? They were awesome. I don't know. I was kind of blown away. (laughs) Descriptive. (laughs) I am not one who's a sucker for these huge names. Usually. Okay. I really I don't identify with that. But after watching this movie, I have a ton of respect for both these actors. They they did an absolutely awesome job capturing it. Hence why I'm so emotionally invested in it. From physically becoming the characters to mentally... Oh my god. I, I can go on. They I, I thought they did a brilliant job. I really did. Both of them in different ways. So you say becoming the characters. I think one of the hardest parts of these big name actors is... Being able to see them as the character instead of as the actor. So So true. You know, a lot of people, Nicole Kidman, for example, my mom, for example, always says, I feel like every time I'm seeing Nicole Kidman on screen, I'm just watching Nicole Kidman. She's not, she doesn't blend into the character. And you can agree or disagree with that. It's just my mom's opinion. I don't know. But (laughs) um, what did you think about this? Did you think that you were watching Matt Damon and Christian Bale? Or did you think you were watching Carol Shelby and... Uh, Ken Miles. Carol Shelby and Ken Miles Mm -hmm. all the way. I felt like this was a different performance. I felt like it was a true performance. It it felt real. It felt raw. Um, And it didn't feel like they just got some big names to fill this role to make Mm -hmm. it a big budget movie and big grossing, large grossing movie. It didn't feel like that. Mm -hmm. I I think I agree. Um, I do still think that Damon and Bale both it's almost like an amalgamation of those characters and kind of their presence as an actor. Like, I think like Matt Damon still has that kind of thing that just makes you instantly root for him. He he has a thing on his face or the way he carries himself is very much like, oh, I just am interested in this guy and he's kind of rugged, but also gentle. And I think he brings that to Carol Shelby. So it's still Matt Damon, but you're right. You do feel like you're watching Carol Shelby. It's not Matt Damon with a Texas accent or whatever, right? <laughs> Very true. Very true. If you had to pick one, which do you would you want to nominate for Best Actor? I think I'm... I always will pick the one with the character I identified most with. Interesting. It's okay. that I... Maybe other people find this bias. I don't view myself as a very objective movie critic. Well, movie <laughs> criticism in general is not objective, so it's like totally fine. As long as you can just explain why I... Yeah, say neither very true. of them, you know? Like, um, Christian Bale, Ken Miles. Yeah. Um, I thought his performance was just... That's the one that really tug at your heartstrings. Okay. Matt Damon provided the character that lifted up Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. The, like, he had to be there. Matt Damon had to be as good as he was in this for Christian Bale to truly, like, be what he would be. Um, that's what I think. And I can justify it. Because I, oh my gosh, the, I felt like what was going through Ken, I just had the most respect for him mm-hmm. as a character. I I guess I can't justify it too well, except for the fact that I just very much identified with Ken Miles. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's something to be said about an actor playing a character that, and like making him relatable. I mean, I, it, that's not like a natural thing, you know? I wonder also if I kind of, this is not the true relationship they had in the movie necessarily but growing up it's like hollywood no oh i was gonna say like growing up racing track there's the coach and athlete dynamic Mm -hmm. and i felt like ken miles was the athlete and carol shelby was the coach a little older a little wiser has won them on before so he has this like knowledge that goes into it he's kind of he's retired from racing but ken miles is still right in it so I felt like the athlete in that, like, oh, yes, he. this is a character I look up to. I look up to Matt Damon, but I am Ken Miles. That's an interesting way to think about it. I see what you mean. The way I look at it is that Ken Miles and Christian Bale get the meteor kind of performance. They get a lot of moments where it's kind of, you know, he's he's 
full in on the action. He's the one that's reacting and yelling and has the um, scene with his his wife and everything like that. Whereas Matt Damon does take, in a way, which maybe we can talk about in spoilers, in a way, a more supporting role of the film, like like a coach does. It's generally not a story about a coach. It's generally the story about the athlete. But I think there is something to be said about the way that Matt Damon just kind of exudes um, like the way he he portrays Carol Shelby is very it's much more restrained, but I think it's equally as good. So that's why I would actually vote for Matt Damon. I also just fucking love Matt Damon. Yeah. So but I think both of them are fantastic. That's how awesome the duo is. You really can't pick. Yeah. And that's unfortunate for acting or acting nominations because it means neither of them will probably get it. But in our hearts, we give it to both of them. Yeah. Awards. Yeah. So what? We we got to witness that. I hope they're proud of their performances. That's what matters most. <laughs> um, so other than the two, there's, I mean, there's a very large supporting cast of characters, actually. Um, not too many of them get that many moments. I think the film is a lot more focused on those two guys and then the racing. But would, do you have a highlight of the supporting cast? Uh, I do, actually. Who? I Oh, I remember his name, actually. Like his act, his real name. And, okay, the... Um, his name is John Bernthal. Yeah, that's he, mine too. He, oh, really? He plays yeah. Lee Iokoka. Uh-huh. Um, I thought he did awesome. Um, he's a very dynamic character, and that's that's why I think that. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but you you just like for the less screen time he got, you you feel like you could still be a little bit emotionally invested in that. Like you you kind of knew what he was going through too. Which yeah, was, I think he did a great job with the screen time he had. Completely agree. I think. Aww. He, <laughs> yeah, he just he has this weirdly soothing presence in this film mm-hmm. um which like he's the punisher and the yeah, villain it, in the walking dead it's it's not a thing that is said often about john bernthal but i think he does just have this very like when he shows up on screen you're like oh okay i'm comfortable because he is here and he just knows what he's doing yeah i don't know but he's great yeah absolutely agree do you have any um Negatives of the film. I, I think we've been largely positive about this. I have a couple, but I'm, I want to throw it to you first. If there was anything that didn't quite work for you here. The one thing that maybe I missed this, maybe not. I don't know. Um, There's a scene with Ken Miles and his wife. And she's played by Catrione Balfe, I think is how you spell it. Yes. Uh, great name. And she absolutely stunned on the red carpet premiere for this movie. Really? Yes. Didn't see. Definitely give that a Google. She, she looked awesome. She, I thought, well, she did a great job as an actress, but this scene just was confusing to me. There's a disagreement. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand why. It felt like she, she was being a very hypocritical character. And maybe that's like what they wanted to build into her a little bit, mm-hmm. this depth. But she definitely, I didn't see a reason for this. Yeah. So this is one of my main complaints as well. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I we, did actually get that right. Wow. <laughs> no, we're we're right on the same page here. I think... Overall, I can turn that critique into like a larger one for the film is that um, the script does a lot to kind of artificially fabricate tension. Um, There's not a ton of actual conflict in this film, and it feels like they're sort of just kind of sprinkling in little things that are quickly overcome. It's not a film where they have to. So it's Ford Motor Company, so they are building a car, but they never really struggle with building the car. Um, there's no deep, deep problems with Carol Shelby or Ken Miles. So they kind of sprinkle in these, you know, semi-antagonistic characters or make a kind of a false tension with the wife that feels a little unorganic to me. Um, but I didn't care because this movie is just so fun. That's really interesting that they were able to create such a high adrenaline movie that had a somewhat of a lack of conflict then? Right, yeah. Like, it's pretty impressive, because normally it's the, con- you're like, oh my God, like, what's going to happen? And you're, you're, sus- you're in suspense sometimes, but it's, n- I don't know, that's so weird. It's kind of a paradox. I mean, like, because, you know, you'd think that this movie would be very much, oh, they're going to have some asshole that is played by a, or portraying a Ferrari driver, and it's all going to be about trying to crush this guy who's, condescending to Ken Miles, but it's really not about that. Um, Thank God, though. I no, think we've yeah. seen enough of that. Like, yeah. that, I think it's cool. Yeah. Sorry, I've Wait. seen cars. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I kind of... Cars walked so Ford vs. Ferrari could run. <laughs> this critique you have, though, of it is fair, but it almost, like, set the movie 
apart. Like maybe they, there was no way around that. They had to have that false tension so that they could really put the spotlight on this unique portrayal of racing. Right. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, I guess I I didn't need the the wife scene because. Oh, I agree. Still, it yeah. Was still, <laughs> it w- it would have been entertaining without. But uh, it, it felt like it was something that maybe either the studio or like test screenings kind of mandated or something like. Oh, we need a little bit of something, something here to pretend like there's some sort of inner conflict. But other than that, um, I will say that the ending doesn't really work for me. I think it's the weakest part of the film. Um, and I think we can get into why in a second. Um, a lot of times weak endings can ruin a film for me. And this one was not that at all. So like when I think back to the film, there is a specific hour that happens rough, roughly an hour that's right before the last 10 to 15 minutes of this film. And I think that's probably the best hour of film I've seen all year. I just absolutely loved it. Maybe for different reasons. I liked Endgame a little more, but like this as, as just like a raw film, um, this was awesome. So why don't you just summarize your thoughts, maybe give this a score out of 10, and then we can move into spoilers so that we can really talk about that ending a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, out of 10, I would give it a 9. A nine, which is very good for me. Like I don't want to say ten out of ten. Like it was, it was so fucking good. It absolutely was. Oh yeah. Um, it was, it was like a nine nine and a half for me. Okay, awesome. So, uh, yeah. Other than the the little critiques that we talked about, I think this movie is just damn good. Um, it's not super innovative or anything like that, but it just works for what it is, and I I, I loved it. So, um, another thing that I we didn't quite mention that I want to say really quickly is I really like how much this film focuses or shows you how difficult racing is. I, I think I talked to you about this a little bit before or before we started podcasting. I was like, you know, I don't, whenever I was watching racing back, you know, before this movie or anything, I, I would always just be like, I don't get it. Why don't they just drive faster? Like, why don't, you know, why don't you just floor it yeah. the whole time? And this film is the first film that tells you, and maybe it's obvious to other people, but to me it wasn't, that there's this trade-off between you have to treat the car right or else it's going to explode and break. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And uh, like you have to be strategic about when you push the car to its limits and not. So I thought that the, the strategy of racing was shown really well in this film. So uh, I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10. Okay. Almost right a perfect there. 10. I yeah. thought... Um, there was moments in this movie where I was like, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. But 9.5 out of 10. I'm curious, what movie have you ever given a 10? I've started to give more films 10s out of 10s just because like- So you I have realized, given a 10? Yeah, yeah. Um, this Can you year, think of one? I gave Endgame a 10 uh-huh. and I gave um, The Farewell a 10 out of okay. 10. Just curious, yeah. I think that might be it. There's there's a couple other ones that are really close. I've seen a lot of really good movies lately, so I've been really fortunate about that. Um, I've seen a lot of disappointments lately. Really? I don't know if I can pick out an example. I just remember leaving a theater like, meh. Well, well, it, chapter two. Yeah, I was that, like, this could have been so much better. <laughs> this guy could have done anything else. They could have written different lines yeah. for, for these amazing actors. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I should have had you on the It Chapter 2 podcast so you could have vented your feelings. But. Oh, no. I'm not passionate <laughs> enough. I loved the first one too much that I'm not going to just rip apart the second okay. one because it'll make me Fair. sound like I don't like it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Like the the series, I, I loved It. <laughs> uh, before we get into spoilers, I want to ask you kind of a question since you and I are both runners and I think there's been a very lacking portrayal of running in film. There's very few running films and even fewer that make it interesting or exciting which is kind of weird because there's a lot of racing films and it's essentially the same thing you're going around a track and sometimes for a really long time but people haven't quite cracked how to film running and specifically racing longer distances things like that um to make it interesting so with this Le Mans 24 or 24 hours of Le Mans thing do you think how how do you think that could translate into filming an interesting running scene in, for example, a track biopic? That's a good question because I view this movie as I love this movie way more than any track movie or any running related right. movie I've ever seen. And it, I'm a huge runner. I'm, I don't race cars. So props to them for doing that. Like, I totally agree that uh, 
I agree that it was much better than track portrayal. <laughs> I, I I wish I had an idea of like what what you could do for a track movie to really give it the same kind of oomph this movie had. So I think one thing that is lacking in running that you do get in race car driving is the sound. Mm. The sound of the engine and the Doppler effect of them going through the camera, that is so exhilarating. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and I think all you get, the, the loud sounds from track would be fans cheering, but you get that yeah. in so many different things. Or like tap, 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 tap. It's like... <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't quite know how to fix Or like that. heart beating, like doo-doo, like slow-mo heartbeats that comes to mind, but... Yeah. But I really feel want the same. them to get like some sort of... um overall shot of people like rounding the corners and showing that intensity of like a final last lap being insane or something like that i feel like we could somebody could do it i I believe it's very possible because if we feel that in a race then it can be captured Mm -hmm. like it is a feeling they're not they wouldn't be making it up we feel that 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 last lap is freaking crazy Mm -hmm. so i think one race that would be really interesting and might be more cinematic than just like, I don't know, a 10K just going around and around is the steeple. Oh, that's a bloodbath and a war. Yeah. I could see that being pretty fun to watch and pretty grueling. Kind of like Lemon. You're like, holy crap, how are they doing this? Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully somebody will crack that soon. I would love to see just like some version of a high octane track race. That would be so sick. And there's a lot of really cool track stories that we could tell so uh but with that let's move on to spoilers i will say spoilers for le mans 66 slash ford versus ferrari starting now that's my secret cat i'm always angry okay so the main spoiler here, of course, is that, you know, Ken Miles, he is clearly going to win Le Mans, but then he decides to um, pull back and slow down so that all the Ford cars can finish together because that's what Ford wants. And then he finishes a little ahead, but because of a stupid technicality, he ends up losing the race. And then he freaking dies. So, um, yeah, okay. Let's let's walk through that this. That is a grueling 20 minutes right there. Yeah. You're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are off a high from like just a sick race. Uh, two races right in a row because they also did the, um, is it Daytona 24 hours or something like that? I thought that was actually the funnest race of the whole whole thing. Yeah, 24 hours of Daytona. So you're going on this huge high and then you're like, oh, dang, he lost. And then you're like, oh, dang, he died. <laughs> um, how did you feel about that? I mean, obviously those are going to be the most emotionally gripping parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was, this is the part where it brought the whole movie full circle. Where everything I had watched in Christian Bale's performance was really about like how his character reacted to losing Lemon, And that really just felt, oh my God, I felt it. I, I could have justified his character absolutely throwing a huge tantrum. But there was something so calming about him walking up to Carol Shelby and being like, well, it's okay. Yeah, let's keep going, right? I mean, there was something so beautiful that, like, they know what they did. They know the work they put in to make this happen. They know they're the reason that Ford has this victory. So what if the world doesn't celebrate it? I love that they had that that calm confidence that it didn't matter if it was printed in the newspapers. What they did was real. What they had was real and the effort they poured into this and the blood, sweat and tears were all worth it without publication. They didn't need to be. Do you think there was some sort of commentary with that of how this massive corporation Ford is kind of building its success and not giving credit to the little man or um, the working class in some way? I thinking about it now, I think that that could be a message of the film, but one of the things that I thought was, not lacking of the film, but that I noticed was that there isn't a, you know, a super powerful message in this, in my opinion. It's not trying to desperately say anything, but I could see that as saying, hey, look at this giant corporation just kind of screwing over the hardworking individuals that got it to the point that it got to. Yeah, there may not have been a huge overarching theme and lesson, but there absolutely was 
a way that the creators of this movie wanted you to feel. Right. Yeah. And you really, I left the theater thinking about like, how can Miles handled that loss and then how he died unexpectedly. Um, those two things, just those get you thinking enough to make a movie truly have that a purpose that's beyond Hey, you should believe this or something. Okay, so you thought the death was like helpful or not helpful, but um, you thought that it furthered your feeling for the film? Absolutely. I actually really liked the ending. Okay. Um, as sad as it was, I'm definitely in, into that darker stuff right now. I'm loving movies and shows like <laughs> that. I just watched American Horror Story, uh, yeah. one of the seasons, and it's just so dark and I love it. Um, but this, it also just, it felt that much more real. That okay. like... Ken Miles was so passionately driven, literally, that he (laughs) died doing, he died doing that. And God, it just, it shows you how valuable living in the moment was. Because I think he did have a full life despite that. It wasn't, he didn't need to go through this traditional progression and die of old age. He needed to be doing exactly what his heart wanted in that moment. Yes, he would love to be around to take care of his kid and be with his wife, but Oh, God, there was something so powerful about that. Interesting. I don't know, about like making your life worth it. Like he, he really, he worked and he, he left a legacy and that's, that's a life well lived. I don't care how long it is. Yeah, for me, it felt like the whole film was kind of on this high and I was just like having a blast the whole time. And then it was such a quick come down that I personally think the film would have ended better with... Um, some sort of like fade to black title card. This is what happened to him. I think films do that a lot. And if they did it right, it wouldn't have felt disingenuous or anything like that. I just thought that like him dying kind of, it was very abrupt. And I, I see what you're saying. That's certainly not how I interpreted it. And like, I'm glad you did that way. Cause that, that does seem cool. But to me, it felt very unceremonious in the way that he was kind of just the, you know, it was just over. And I think it would have been more interesting because um, there's a, a voiceover right before that happens, right? Of, you know, being something at 7,000 RPMs and you're going, you're going, and then you're you're infinite or whatever. Um, or you, who you are or something. Who am I? I think it would have been cooler if it had faded to black there uh, and then kind of left his fate ambiguous, even though obviously people who know the story would know that he had passed away um, at that moment or something. I, I see that. There was, I mean, you couldn't have had a more unexpected way to end if they're ending with this inspirational monologue and then boom. It's like, that's what it's about. Like, life is that fleeting. Okay. You pour yourself into it. You pour yourself into your passion. You make this great car. You do it for the people you love. And you don't look back because you're only given that moment mm-hmm. to be at your absolute best living and doing what you love. Okay. Um, I was so inspired by that. Cool. Fair point. So I actually... <laughs> I loved his death. I know that sounds bad, but God, did I think it made the movie just... It, the whole movie came full circle to me right when he died. I was like, oh, I just like... I felt like I came up from for air. I was like, oh my gosh, that's what the whole... Oh my God, all the character... But like, it just That's what it was. Okay. There was this emotion. I couldn't feel more connected to the movie in that moment. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Um, the other... So that isn't the exact end of the film though, right? There's like a whole other little thing after his death. Uh, how do you feel about that? The kind of the scene between Matt Damon and Noah Jupe, who plays uh, Miles' son. Um, how did that whole thing play off for you? Normally, I probably wouldn't like a scene like that. I was like, okay, you can wrap it up. But there was something also just so raw about that, too. Okay. The way he handled it, it wasn't like him just dropping off flowers for Ken's wife. It wasn't like that. It was, he was like, maybe I shouldn't go in. And then he runs into. I think his name's Peter. No, I don't he know. Like Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I loved his hair too. <laughs> I was like, I want that hair. Um, but there was something just so raw about that. Like, you could just feel the the right emotions. It wasn't so movie like. It was. It was like, what would it actually happen? Like, what kind of conflict would be going through Carol Shelby's mind if he's approaching the house of his dead best friend? Okay. He's like, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe, you know, it's been some time. There was something so real about that. To me, it felt a lot like we need Matt Damon to act 
sad uh so that we can push for more oscars and uh awards okay it's not that it didn't work for me but i did see through that a little it felt like it was kind of intentionally tacked on i really like your interpretation though and i am a sucker for like vulnerable masculinity it's why i love michael b jordan because mm-hmm. he totally is that i love that yeah he's yeah. got like some sort of contract that makes him have to cry in every movie that he's ever <laughs> in and he does an amazing job at it um yeah, I mean, I could have I could have also seen that scene not being there either. Um and it might have benefited the movie in my opinion, but if I remember correctly, Ken Miles dies and you don't see the son's reaction that time. No, you do. Yeah, you do. Oh right. I don't know what I'm getting at. Well, I, I think you're I don't know, there's something about seeing his son like a little bit removed from the death and you can just see he's already more mature. He's already kind mm, of, yeah. he has this different look on life, which is like, I hate that he's not this bright eyed as bright eyed anymore, but Oh, there's something so real about that too. <laughs> I don't want to force happiness on this like awesome kid who just seems like a passionate little guy himself. But like, God, there was, there was development there too. Just showing him and him just being all stoic. Mm. Oh my God. I loved that kid's a great actor he is um he's gonna be or he's in honey boy too where he plays like a young shia labeouf or whatever shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> but let's uh finish on a bit of a high note the one scene that i really really loved in this film was the one where henry ford the second i think his nickname is the deuce in this deuce, yeah yeah which is funny <laughs> i um, like that that's funny when carol shelby takes him on a ride in the car uh-huh so funny but I think going back to my point of kind of me not fully appreciating how complex race car driving is, it really showed the athleticism of the sport by having this, you know, average dude like cry and scream the whole time. Cause like I've never gone 170 miles an hour. I don't know what that feels like, but you can kind of experience it through him. And I keep, we keep making running references. So sorry for people who are listening to this and don't run. But this is a lot like having Usain Bolt race an average person <laughs> to show like this dude is really To fast. show how impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's fair. So I loved that scene. Were there any standout scenes for you? Oh gosh. So many. Uh, I really liked Lemon shots. Yeah. Um, anything that was a shot of that race, I thought they captured it beautifully. They captured the, the roar of the crowd and they also just captured then the those quiet moments in the back when nobody else sees, but that's where the race is made. I thought that was just so beautifully done. And any Ken Miles line that was any bit angry was just so awesome. <laughs> Bloody oh, yeah. hell. I was like, oh my, I thought that was funny when he said that. He did such a great job at just like reacting like a little bit comically. Like, you fucking kidding me? Like, is, he's like, is this a joke? Yeah, we forgot to mention this in the non-spoilers, but this film is really funny. Like, oh, yeah. surprisingly funny. Oh yeah, you, we laugh, we cry, we did it all. This, that's why I love this movie. Yeah, the the parts of the Le Mans that I loved was the start. Obviously, we talked about that where mm-hmm. you sprint to the car, but just that whole scene where like cars are desperately trying to get out and they're crashing into each other. Any crash in this movie just looks and sounds and feels beautiful. It shakes you. Yeah, you're yeah. like, geez, and like you can feel the the force of that oh man i don't know how they do i think it's the sound the sound design i hope all of that yeah is nominated absolutely yeah so with that let's move on to our review of the documentary maserati a hundred years against all odds house of trident house of trident house of the trident <laughs> so first a synopsis for a hundred years the maserati company has been at the forefront of innovation in car design and racing This documentary explores the history of the company from its start in 1914 through its turbulent years to its most recent era of success under Harold J. Wester in the 2010s. The film includes interviews from famous drivers such as Sterling Moss and John Surtees. It is directed by Philip Selkirk. They are extremely strong cars, extremely beautiful cars, and very fast. Maserati stands for understatement, for luxury. To buy a Maserati, you distinct yourself, you reject the uniformity which is out there today. The sound of the engine, to me, is like music. The Italians have always said, Italian gentlemen, 
Movement by Maseratis and the Italian Playboys by Ferraris, because that was why I had one of each. It is generally accepted that perhaps the greatest racing car of all time is the Maserati. We are entering the company each and every morning with recharged batteries full of energy to prepare the next strike against the Giants. So the first thing I want to mention is that I was asked to review this film by the production company, Tri-Coast Entertainment. So uh, first off, I just want to give a huge thanks to them for providing me a screener of the film. It was my very first screener, um, so I was really honored to be considered for that. And, you know, it's it's a very small film, but I, I still really appreciate that. But also it's important, you know, to make that disclaimer before digging into this thing. So just keep that in mind. Um... But anyways, I thought this documentary would fit perfectly with our discussion about Ford versus Ferrari, you know, two car movies. So, Johnny, what did you think about this one? Uh, I liked it. I was a little bit confused at some parts um, as like the way it was set up and laid out. Um, But I thought it was a very entertaining, educational look at a brand that I do have a lot of respect for. I have a lot of personal opinions on uh, Maserati, actually more than that. More than most other companies, car companies actually. Really? What? Like what? When I first geeked off in about cars, oh God, it was a while ago, but it was in the era near the end of its lifetime, the Maserati Gran Turismo, the most recent one. That car just wowed me. I thought it was so raw. I mean, of course, they're known for their engine notes. Um, absolutely beautiful. It's a symphony of Italian engineering and gorgeous cars on top of that. Um, I thought it was beautifully designed. Um, I loved all of the points talking about in this movie specifically about uh, Pininfarina. Um, I that's a when I used to do my own research on cars, that was a a company that it, the Italian uh, car coach design house, um, very famous for designing many absolutely this breathtakingly gorgeous Italian supercars that you know and love from Ferrari, Maserati, and others. Pininfarina has a lot of hands in those. They're fa- they're famous for their smooth curves, futuristic design, and I love the highlight on that. And that's what I fell in love with with Maserati. Um, the reason I'm torn about Maserati though is because recently, I believe it was in 2015. I'm I'll get my dates wrong, but they are a piece of the Fiat Chrysler automotive empire now yeah and so they really the latest maseratis and this was always their goal in business i remember them announcing this they said we're going to ramp up production they said i forgot what the exact numbers but it was like 10 times the production that they used to do in a short amount of time they were really they wanted maserati to be a much higher volume brand and i was against that i was i'm all about like if you listen to me talking about the passion of ken miles and like that what that does and like what it's all about not about those glorious wins about making the money it's it's about like what they accomplished i thought maserati before used to be that and now they're just they're sharing the parts bin with other chrysler Mm. fiat chrysler vehicles which are not bad cars i personally drive a jeep i love my jeep but it I'm buying a Jeep for a reason and I want a Maserati for a very different (laughs) reason. So you have a lot of opinions about Maserati, some negative. This film is very much, yeah, propaganda is not the word for it. It's very positive. Yeah. Um, It shows their strife and their struggle and what they've been through, but it it shows them coming out on top. mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. That's what the whole movie's about. Yeah. So did you like this as a documentary in general um, for something that you already knew about? Yeah, I think I'm, Got, and maybe this is what the intended audience was wanting or what would want to see, but there was a lot of history mm-hmm. about Maserati from truly the beginning of those hundred years, the first fifty years. And I would love to have seen more of the two thousands era Maserati, um, of them struggling and with models of cars that we would recognize. Okay. Um yeah. kind of the we know that they went through their struggles, but and they mentioned that. But it would I would love to see the fact that they mentioned, hey, the Maserati like financial performance is not strong, 
But look at these gorgeous cars that people still worship. It may not be like doing well as a business, and I'm bus- I was a business student, but there's Snake. there's something so cool about oh anyone who knows about Maserati they're like oh they get their engines from Ferrari like they, those are sister companies those are one is the luxurious Italian Gran Turismo G, a GT Grand Tour you know made for the back roads and one is the track superstar the Ferrari and they just complement each other so well and that Italian passion and fire was so evident and I feel like they lost it. Ferrari still, oh my God, you know, blow me away. They're gorgeous, fast <laughs> as hell as they've ever been and efficient too. Their hybrid models are like absolutely killing it. So what's your favorite like car model or make or however you say that company? My all time favorite is the Aston Martin Rapide. I'm a sucker for a four door coupe, which my dad calls an oxymoron. He's like, you know, a coupe is a two door, which Maybe it used to be, but not anymore. They're sleek, they're long, they waft, but they're sporty at the same time. They're the perfect daily driver. Okay, you are speaking a completely different language. Yeah, I have no maybe, idea what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> Aston Martin Repeat is essentially an Aston Martin GT, a, a Grand Tour car, mm-hmm. um, made for the back roads. All about driving pleasure, about fun, with a gorgeous V12 engine. I mean, when I first loved this car, I'm not exactly sure the current Repeat specs but it, it just luxuriously opulent, horribly dysfunctional cabin. The tech doesn't work. Infotainment, as they call it, was just not sophisticated. It didn't have like, like an iPad in the car, like a Tesla, but it was just a great car to drive because you had a naturally aspirated V12 under the hood of your freaking daily driver to work. <laughs> I mean, what a flex. Oh, sounds amazing. Yeah. I don't want to get too far off topic from the documentary, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you're saying all these terms and phrases and they get, they get thrown out a lot in the documentary. And I think we were talking cause we, we watched this together and we were talking throughout it that you were kind of explaining some of these terms that, you know, just completely went over my head. And I don't remember quite how it came up, but the comparison for me, I thought was that this is very reminiscent of what pokemon is like to me oh <laughs> yeah like, um you know sword and shield just came out recently so that's been on the mind but you know there's different types of cars there's different types of pokemon there are people who collect cars there are people who collect pokemon some people just like admire it uh, other people like know the ins and outs of the different types and the specs and everything like that so the way you're talking about a car mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of me babbling about like the moves and yeah. the types and stuff of different Pokemon. It's all about passion at the end of yeah. the day. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I love talking about the spec. I love when they mentioned in this documentary the specs about the Maseratis. They were tracking that it had this much horsepower at this period in time. And then they would say some outrageous number. They were like 400 horsepower. And it was, I forgot what year, but it was that is not significant for a super sports car these days at all. But at the time, I was like, oh, my God, Maserati was getting 400 horsepower. I love the specs in there as a car guy. Yeah. It really put it in perspective, like, what Maserati was doing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the film or the documentary was, uh, like, well-documented like that? Like, proper details and everything? Was there something that you would have liked yeah, to see? Yeah, very detail-oriented. Okay. Um, my only, my big critique would be the disconnect between what I was hearing, which was awesome words about it and amazing people interviewed. I was absolutely blown away when Sterling Moss came on and started talking. I was like, oh my gosh, that is a name. That's yeah. a name. Like Mercedes created a gorgeous car after him. Well, gorgeous is definitely, it's a polarizing car. That car <laughs> is loud. And I'm not just talking about the engine sound. I mean, you it's meant to be noticed. Mm-hmm. And so to hear the Sir Sterling Moss talking, I thought that was awesome. But then there was a disconnect between the what I was seeing on screen and what I was hearing. Well, how, what do you mean by that? Sometimes they were talking about Maserati as a car company, and you saw a sailboat with a Maserati logo. Okay, yeah. And I was very confused, <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah. I I loved those, they were gorgeous shots of the Maserati sailboat, but like there was a time and place for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I don't know. I don't want to be too critical. I definitely enjoyed watching it. Um. Okay, yeah. For me, I generally have one rule for documentary films before I kind of like give them my overall recommendation or anything like that. And um, the documentary has to, in some way, take advantage of the film medium such that it could not be told in any other format. Because like, if I can learn everything, if I can learn the story and all the information in the documentary um, from just a Wikipedia page, 
and like actually visually observing the events on film really makes no difference to how I interpret those events, then I think that watching the documentary is a complete waste of time. You know, I can read a Wikipedia page in five minutes. Uh, this movie is 90 minutes. So like, that's my opinion. Um, for example, Free Solo. Have you heard of this film? The one about... I watched it. Oh, okay. I okay. loved... That was a great movie. It's a film that I love. Um, and there's no way that that film works in any other medium. It's not remotely as captivating. It's not as tense if you just read an article or a book about it. It's it cool. Uses... It's a cool headline. Like, oh, he did that. But yeah. the documentary was just so beautifully captured. Yeah, yeah. but like the just capturing the physicality and the t- tension of the whole film, you can't do that without filmmaking. Um, so do you think that this film satisfies that rule? Uh, I don't. Okay. I have been way more wowed by Maserati if that was the aim of this to say like Maserati struggled through this, this, and this and they came out on top and this is why you should respect the car company. Um, Reading and researching on my own on the internet has actually provided me more joy. Not gonna lie. Okay. No, that's <laughs> fair. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> no, that's uh, who fair. am I? Fair point. No, be be critical. It, it's good. Um, I I think that this is a very straightforward documentary. You know, it pretty much just chronologically tells the story of the Maserati company like you said. I found it really informative and I also thought that incredibly you know, informative. Yeah. Yes. The breadth of interviews, so like just the different types of interviews that they got. You know, they like you said, they interviewed Sterling Moss. Um, they got children and family members of the original Maserati Foundation or founders. Um, and they got the current CEO of Maserati. So all of that was really cool. And I thought that the interviews they were well used and the film was relatively easy to follow, even though it was pretty fast paced. I thought, um, and then they do a lot of things where they do split screen, like showing two images or clips at the same time. And I liked that because it made for a little more dynamic of an experience. So you weren't just watching one thing. You could kind of flip back and forth as somebody's yeah. talking. You can see the car that they're talking about yeah. things like that. So I liked that. And it also helped juxtapose the past and the present, which I think was kind of the whole point that, you know, yeah. oh, Maserati is this company that is carrying its past with it or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that seeing the cars, I think the, the camera has a very good lens or eye for kind of what makes the car sexy. Like it, it does lean on like the car images quite a bit. Yeah. And I thought that that to an extent satisfied that, that film medium. Um, maybe like you said, you could get it from, you know, pictures the same way, but I, I did like having that, um, that visual imagery of the cars and that made me admire the company a little more than um, I might have if I just read through the, the you know, Definitely. the legal struggles or whatever. When I was, when I'm speaking about researching it though too, one of my favorite ways to research is, so will be, I don't think, like car photography is cool, mm-hmm. but it doesn't capture the full, the car, every angle can look different. They, there's certain design pieces that designers put like, purposefully incorporate into the design and from different angles the car looks like a different shape but when i'm doing my own like i would love to have seen more maybe i'm just coming out of ford versus ferrari but like if i'm gonna i could google like or youtube a video of a maserati i think like just taking off like launching off of a on a racetrack that sound a microphone right up next to the exhaust. Mm-hmm. A shot of the engine. I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just more into the modern. I'm I'm very into the modern yeah, no, car. I don't. Perfectly I don't really have a care for the history as much. And this was very history oriented. Yeah, I think that is uh, that is what this film is excellent at. It, it is a very detailed look into the history. So if yes. that's something that you're interested in or you want to learn about this company, then I think this film is perfect absolutely. For that. Yeah, yeah, it accomplished that purpose. Yeah, so uh, overall, uh, would you recommend this film? What, what do you think? I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. Mm-hmm. I would say if you have an interest in cars, you'll I think you'll appreciate this more um, than in this. But I think in contrast to Ford vs. Ferrari, where my mom and dad actually told me they were debating about going and seeing this. My dad was like, oh, I don't want to take my, you know, my wife to a movie if she's not going to enjoy it. And I was like, oh, my God, you both go see that right now. You're both going to love it. Yeah. Um, this one, not the same. My dad and I could watch this and find it interesting. My mom, 
could not care less. <laughs> right. That's and a difference. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think if, uh, you know, I would 100% recommend this film to car lovers and to people who want a quick and informative dive into the Maserati company. So if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, I definitely recommend this film. It is a, a very small film and um, it's always nice to support indie filmmaking. This film is available on demand, I believe, if not now, then certainly in the next couple weeks. So keep an eye out for it on Prime, um, Fandango, Vimeo, things like that. Considering the smaller nature, this is not some big Fortress Ferrari film at all. Um, right. I thought it was very well done. Uh, yeah. The picture quality was great. The interview quality was really great, too. Yeah, I agree. I will say um, the the music gets a little repetitive. There was a lot of yeah. just like pretty, you know, repetitive music that was just sort of on a loop. And it made the film feel like it was a little bit on the loop. Um, but, you know, other than that, I think this film is, is really good for what it is. Um, and that is a historical documentary. Like does a great job. I could I could tell you things about the Maserati company that I couldn't tell you two days ago. All right. This has been our double review of Ford vs. Ferrari and Maserati A Hundred Years Against All Odds. Johnny, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you really taught me a thing or two or five about cars. Um, Happy to talk more about that. In the future, too. Awesome. I yeah. could go on. Now, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm just getting back into cars now, and I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Next time there's a car doc, uh, or a car movie, I'll be sure to have you back on. Yes. You'll be my car guy. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. But, um, Come visit me in Texas, and I take you for a ride. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. All right. I'll do my it. My dad and I are big car junkies. Ge- gearheads <laughs> is what you'd call it. But, gearheads. Um, yeah. we, have, we have a gorgeous baby you would love, I think. <laughs> what, what kind? It's a Porsche. Oh, okay. She's cool. very pretty. <laughs> Is there anything you'd and like to fast. plug? What? Is there anything you'd like to plug? Yes. European car companies. <laughs> I don't think they need your plug, man. I don't no, think... I just love uh I've I've been against not against I've always had a thing for foreign cars. Ooh, yeah. I'm one of like that's a very common I'm I'm definitely not a niche. And there's like there are people who are so Oh my God, American muscle. And those are the people who are European sophistication, speed, performance, refinement. And I am so that. 100%. <laughs> okay. I drive a Jeep only because, well, Jeep kind of runs in my family. But besides that, like, we're, we're all foreign besides our Jeeps. So your plug is to buy European No, not cars. necessarily. <laughs> I don't know. My plug would be... I'm just, I'm just giving you shit. The it's best fine. use of gas is for racing. Not for these congested friggin' highways in Massachusetts. Like, that is such a waste. Gotta think of public <laughs> transit better than this. Did you see my uh, that's Instagram my plug. thing? No, what? I just, like, went off on the MBTA because they asked for, like, feedback. <laughs> and so I just wrote, like, a whole huge paragraph on, like, how shitty the green line is. Yeah, the green line is shitty, but traffic in Boston is also shitty. There's n- nothing about commuting that's great here. Yeah. Okay. In my fine. opinion. Sure. <laughs> All right. How's, Why uh, was that my plug? Why am I so negative? I don't know. Plug something good. How's training going? Is it going great? No, I've been taking a lot of time off. Oh, god damn it! Yeah, well, Machi's will... more fit than me. Oh, for yeah. the first time ever. Uh huh. Just yeah, kidding. Just kidding. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll check back in a couple months as the race get close gets closer. Um, for for people just tuning in to this for whatever reason for the first time uh johnny and i are both running the boston marathon and we are training buddies so this is going to be a ton of fun peace and blessings loved ones if you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes you can follow us on twitter at movie marapod or on facebook at facebook.com slash movie marapod that's movie m-a-r-a pod and you can always reach out to us at our email moviemarathonerspod at gmail.com You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. Why are you looking at me? (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. Please reach out to me on Twitter. Stitcher Premium. I don't know what that is. Stitcher Um, Premium. Stitcher Radio Premium 
Is that an ad? I like have yeah, heard it's that. A, oh, this other podcast I listen to. He always plugs it that way. Jonathan Van Ness. Ah, oh, oh, love um, that man. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through Ryan Johnson's newest film, Knives Out. Had a chance to see that. It's really good. So I'm going to really be excited to talk about that. Um, Johnny, is there anything that you're really looking forward to? In my in movie wise? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. I feel like there always is. I'm like, oh, I'm so going to see that. I just keep a list, but I don't, I don't know right now. Not that I'm aware of, but there's got to be something. Frozen 2 this week, baby. Oh my God. That, yeah, it's probably that. Yeah. I see. I'm you're, Star Wars. You know, any Star I'm I'm always down to see a Star Wars. I, yeah. I, that's the nostalgia for me. I'm so sucked <laughs> into this. My, it, we see Star Wars I'm always like that's such a good movie and he's like well actually it may not have been the best Star Wars because blah 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 and I'm like just let me live in my dream world that I grew up in hey, where I, like I get Solo. to see freaking Darth Vader like yes okay the movies that I didn't like don't have Darth Vader in whatever I don't I love, love the new Rogue characters to be fair Rogue One was so good yeah oh my god I love the dark side like okay here we go again yeah yeah. You know what? Okay, we are um, we are just babbling now. Good so bye. <laughs> Until then, bye. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo. And co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema. Cinema. Our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon.